how many of you have ever had this thought? And I'm pretty sure all of us have been here at some point. We have said, man, I wish I could go back. I wish I could do that over. And whether it was five minutes ago or a day, like wish I could do yesterday over. Um, there were some things I did or I said that I wish I could change. Some of us, it takes longer than five minutes or a day. Um, sometimes it takes us, you know, like a year before we realize what we have done and that we would love a do-over with that. I, I've got a guy I want to introduce you to um, this morning. I believe that he has probably said, I wish I could go back about a year ago and redo this play and do this over. His name is D. Ford. Now, when I say that name, some of you are like, I know where you're going already. Um, some of you are like, I have no clue what you're talking about. I'm going to introduce this guy. He, he probably wishes he could. Last year, about this time, it was the AFC Championship game. So it, this was the game between the Chiefs and the Patriots last year. And the winner of this game went to the Super Bowl. It was a big game. We were excited as the Chiefs, right? 49 years for going to the Super Bowl last year. Um, we were ready for this, ready to go, and it was a close game. Back and forth. Uh, really, the game came down to whoever was going to have the ball last was probably going to win the game. And this was it. Fourth quarter, one minute left to go in the game. Chiefs are up by four, and the Patriots and Tom Brady are making a run down the field. And this is what happened. off the hands of Gronkowski. Wow. Night, night. Good game. Good game, bro. Hey, I respect you, bro. I respect you. But a penalty offside on Kansas City is going to neutralize it. Offside. Defense number 55. So what seemed to be a game-clinching interception is nullified. Brady is going to turn and give it to Burkett. He runs left behind Devlin. He blows his way to the end zone. And they regain the lead with 39 seconds on the clock. They said I was lined up offsides. Was I? The Chiefs thought they had an interception to win it, but an offside penalty on D. Ford neutralizes the interception in this ping pong late fourth quarter. Oh, it was so heartbreaking. Those Patriots again. They scored. They took the lead. The Chiefs actually came back and tied the game before the game was over. It went into overtime. And because of the overtime rules, the Patriots got the ball first and last. <laughs> they were last ones with the ball. They scored and won the game, went to the Super Bowl, and ended up winning the Super Bowl again. Arr. It's, it's tough. Now, I, I do have to say this, all right? I need to say this. D. Ford is not the only reason the Chiefs lost that game last year. They had multiple opportunities um, to make stops that they needed or score when they needed to. In fact, Andy Reid, the head coach of the Chiefs, said to Ford after the game, he said, don't think about it. We've got to move forward. We all could have been four inches better. I love that line. I think that's encouraging probably to a, t a player, right? We all could have been four inches, and that was it, four inches offsides. Now, it still weighed heavy on him, and a quote from Ford after the game was this. He said, it crushed my heart. I mean, he didn't want to do that. You could even see it in him. He, he didn't even know. He was, he was crushed by this, and we have to get there. So storyline for this year, and maybe some of you know about this already. During the offseason, Ford was um, traded from the Chiefs. Guess where he landed? The 49ers. 
who were playing today in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. So somebody who was on that team last year is going to walk away with the Super Bowl ring, right? Either Ford will or the rest of the Chiefs will. Whatever the case is going to be, that's going to happen. But it's been a pretty big storyline this year. In fact, whenever D. Ford was interviewed, this topic came up and he was asked about it. So here's one of these interviews. Did you see Frank Clark's comments last week about it's inexcusable to line up offsides? He was asked kind of about the neutral zone infraction last year. Do you, do you see that He's at all? Right. It's inexcusable. But don't we all do it? Right. Do you think about that play much or you just let it go? That's the only way to do it? You have to let it go in order to move forward. I have to let it go in order to move forward. Have you ever said in your life, man, I wish I could go back and do it all over again? I wish I could go back a day or five minutes or a year, or maybe for you it's 10 years, 20 years. I wish I could go back and do it over again. And you know you can't. You know that's part of your story now. It's who you are. It's made you who you are today because of that. But yet you wish you could let it go so you can move forward. Well, I think part of vision, spiritual vision for us moving forward, and we talked about this, we're in this series 2020 vision, spiritually as we look forward, I believe that looking behind us is important. Hindsight is a part of looking forward. Knowing where you've been and what you've done so that you can move forward is important to us. And we've been studying um, Peter. We've been looking at things that Peter has said and then maybe how we got to that point to understand how we can learn from it as well. So how we began this whole series a few weeks ago was in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9, and it says this, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind. And there was a list of attributes, of characteristics that was given right before this, and that's what we studied that first week. But it also says this, we are forgetting that we have been cleansed. That's the important part about looking in your past. Not to be reminded of all the mistakes you've made, but to, reminded, to be reminded that you have been cleansed from that. You don't have to carry that around with you. You can let go of it and move forward. But I, I get it. We're proud people. I know some of you. We're, and I'm with you. We're very proud people. And we think, I've got to do it myself. Man, this is my deal. I made the mistake. I've got to fix it. I've got to move forward. If I'm going to move forward, I've got to fix it. But I believe the first step in doing this is humility. And this is the other thing Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. He says, humble yourselves. Humility is a huge first step for us. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he can exalt you, casting your anxiety and I believe that word anxiety covers a lot. It probably covers our regrets and our sorrows and our um, wishing that we could redo something over again. So let's go back. What was it that Peter did and how was he restored in this? So if we go back to Matthew chapter 26, we see a verse in this that kind of gives us the cap on the sin that Peter committed and what he did. And it's this, um, chapter 26, verse 75, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus. Jesus said this to Peter, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he did it. Peter had just got done denying, knowing Jesus three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. It crushed his heart. He was sorry 
There was regret in him for doing this. He probably wishes he could go back and redo it. And it was a big deal because he was betraying a friendship. And I think we've all been there. We all make mistakes. We do it. Peter didn't rob a bank. He didn't have an affair. He didn't cheat on his taxes. He wasn't an alcoholic, right? He wasn't taking drugs. He he gave up on a friend. He turned his back on his friend. And when you hurt a friendship, that's one of the hardest things to overcome. Some of the other stuff we can say we're sorry for and move on if it's just between us and God, right? Sometimes that's easier. But when you hurt a friendship, and with this one, it was Jesus, <laughs> of all the people that he turned in, right, that he, he turned against, it was Jesus, now, let's, let's catch up with this. All four Gospels tell us the story about Peter denying Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all give us the story where Peter denies knowing Jesus. And it was the night that Jesus was arrested, the day before he was crucified, and Peter was caught. And somebody said, hey, aren't you one of his followers? Hey, we recognize you. Do you know this Jesus? And three times he said, no, I, I don't know who you're talking about. All four Gospels give us that, but only one. The Gospel of John gives us the restoration of Peter. It's John, one of Peter's closest friends, that comes along and writes about the restoration of Peter. And I think it's important for us to see. So if you have your Bibles, if you don't have them open already, John chapter 21 is where we're going to be this morning. Um, If you need a Bible, like with pages and words on the pages, there's some on either side of the room, jump up and get it. If not, get your phones out. Get your Bible apps open. You can get to it um, directly, crestview.me slash live, or you can go through your Bible app and find um, our event that's on there. John chapter 21 tells us the story about the restoration of Peter. And Jesus has now appeared to others. So Jesus was alive, and then he was crucified, and he was dead for three days. And he's come back to life now, and he's appeared to many people. He's appeared to the women that came to the tomb to see him. He has appeared to two men on their journeys. We call it on the road to Damascus in that story. Um, There is also then where he appears to the 12 disciples, and he does this a couple times to the 12. But hang on to this. He has appeared to Peter a couple times, but they haven't reconciled yet. And think about how hard that is. When, when you have something against somebody else and you've done life with them a little bit, but you haven't come to reconcile what maybe some pain is, there's still something there that's just not right. And I think Peter's looking for that. He's repented, he's remorseful, it has broken his heart. Um, I think he's truly sorry. But until that reconciliation happens, he carries around this regret, the shame, the sorrow, and probably wishes he could go back and do it over again. But he can't, and neither can you. It's part of your story. Whatever it is that you're feeling in your heart right now, that's who you are. And we've got to learn how to move forward with it. So Peter is just trying to move forward, right? He's just trying to do life. He's trying to get through these feelings. And this is what he does. See, he does what we would do, what he's good at, what he knows, what he understands, what, what he just does in life. And it's here in verse 3. John 21, verse 3. This is a quote from Peter. He says, I am going fishing. It's my favorite verse in all of scripture. I've used it over and over at home. Um, I've done this before. I said, I just got to go. I got to get out. I got to go fishing. Um, And it's what he does. 
for me, it's that as well. Whether I catch anything or not, whether it's I even put the pole in the water or not, it's I've got to get out and do what I like to do because it brings life. It, it calms. It gives you a chance to think, right? And Peter says, I know fishing. I'm getting through day by day. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going fishing. And he's a leader, so other people join in. So there's a group of guys that say, Peter's going fishing, we're going too, let's go. So they all go fishing, and it says that they were fishing all night. So they were out on their boat fishing all night long, and they didn't catch anything. Nothing is what they had brought in. And sometimes that happens when you go fishing. You get skunked. It just, it's not a good night to be. The fish just aren't biting. They're just not there. And it happened to them this night. The next morning, as they were coming in from fishing all night long, they were a few yards out, it says about 100 yards out from the shore, when a, a guy from the shore yells out to them in their boat, and he says, hey, how's it going? Because that's what other fishermen do when they see other guys fishing. They're like, how'd you do? What's going on? Did you catch anything? What'd you use? We want to know so that we can be successful. And he asked that question, and the guys in the boat yelled back. He said, nothing. It's a bad night. We didn't catch a thing. So the guy on the shore says, why don't you try the other side of the boat? Now, the guys in the boat are thinking, this guy's crazy. We've been out all night. We know what we're doing. We're fishermen, right? The other side of the boat's not going to produce anything if this side isn't. But they're fishermen, and they don't care. He's got some fish already. They can tell he's already caught something, so we'll give it a try. I'm always willing to try something. If I'm not successful, somebody else has been successful. So they throw their nets on the other side of the boat, and they bring in so many fish that they can barely get their nets in the boat. The only other time this has ever happened is when Jesus told the same guys to do the same thing. And they brought in so many fish that their nets were breaking. And Peter, at least Peter, recognizes that's Jesus. It has to be Jesus. And he doesn't waste any time. He dives into the water. I mean, he, he jumps in fully clothed to get to shore. No dignity, no shame. He's got to get to that reconciliation. He's got to get to Jesus. He's got to understand this forgiveness. He's, he can't carry the shame and regret and sorrow. Any, too much baggage for him. He's got to get there. But I want you to note a couple things on this. I think this is pretty cool. If we were sitting in a circle talking about this, this would be some things I think we would talk about um, in a Bible study. It would be this. Peter didn't ask Jesus to walk on water like he had done before. Hey, wouldn't it be easier if I could just walk to you? Jesus, tell me to walk on water so I could get there faster. He just jumps in, clothes and all. Here's another, just a little tidbit. I think this is kind of fun to, to see in Scripture. It, John actually points out that this is a charcoal fire that Jesus has. Jesus already has a fire going. He's got fish and bread already ready for them, and it's a charcoal fire, not a wood fire. You're like, big deal, right? The other place that this is mentioned in the Bible is just a chapter or two before this. When Peter is denying Jesus, it says that he was around a charcoal fire. My guess is when he got to shore and he smelled that smell, because it smells different than a wood fire, he remembers what happened. Now, I might be reading in way too much into that, but sometimes it's fun to think about that and the memories that we have. There's already fish, there's already bread on the fire ready to go for them to eat. This is the third time that Jesus has appeared to Peter, but yet there's not been reconciliation. And no one, when the rest of the fishermen get in, no one asks, are you sure it's Jesus? Jesus, is that really you? They know that it's him. 
And now this is the restoration of Peter. So after they have breakfast, after probably some small talk, Jesus, you should have saw the one that got away, or Jesus, how's, how's the mansion going? You said you're building something for us. What's my room look like, right? They're having some talk. What's it like to be dead for three days? And yeah, I'm sure there's some talk going on. Jesus, after breakfast, it says he looks at Simon. This is verse 15. And he says this, do you love me? I want you to catch something. Don't read it too quick. Stop long enough to let this set with you. He says, Simon, do you love me? Jesus has already changed his name to Peter, but yet he goes back and calls him by his original name. The reason is because he's restoring him back to Peter. He's got to bring him back to Peter the rock, and he calls him Simon to begin with, not Peter. And three different times, Jesus asks him this question, Simon, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Now, there has been a lot of commentary that's been written about the words in this passage, in the Greek words at that specifically. And the Greek words um, for this passage, there are actually three different words for the word love. We have one, love, but in Greek there's three different words for love. So to give you the breakdown of that, I, I love my wife differently than I love you guys. I love all of you, but I love my wife differently. I love the idea that the Chiefs have a chance to win the Super Bowl today differently than I love you guys, right? And I, I love that the Chiefs have a chance to win the Super Bowl better than anything. No, I'm joking, it's not. There's three different words, though, that the Greek language would use to describe those different kinds of love. And when John writes this passage, the question that Jesus asks, and he uses a word, it's different when Peter answers. He, Peter uses a different word, love, than what Jesus asks. Now, my opinion, and this is just me, if we're sitting in a circle, I think we would have fun talking about this and breaking this down, there's something to it, maybe. But in my opinion, we can't overlook the bigger picture and we can't get lost in the details. I probably, I believe they were probably speaking Aramaic, not even Greek. So John has already translated it from Aramaic to Greek and we've translated it from Greek to English. Already there's been some translations going on with that and we can't skip over the bigger picture and don't lose it in those definitions. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Stop carrying around the guilt, the regret, the shame, the sorrow. If you continue to carry that, you are proving that you don't trust my forgiveness. Trust in the forgiveness that I'm giving you and let go of that kind of stuff. Three different times, Jesus asks the question, do you love me? And three different times, Peter responds, yes, you know I love you. Yes, you know I love you. And the third time, you can see the frustration in him. Yes, Jesus, quit asking me. You know that I love you. And three different times, Jesus gives him a job to do. He says, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. You see, I believe that um, our actions prove our faith. Faith actually takes action. We have to have action in order to say that I do trust in this. This is my faith in action. If we don't have action with our faith, is it really faith? 
and Jesus is giving him a job, then do something with it. Quit carrying around the guilt and the shame. Do something with this forgiveness. Serve others. Give to others. And I love the connection here as well. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. How many times did Jesus restore Peter? Three times. And he said, feed my sheep. I think it's a step up. The first time when Jesus calls him, he says, hey, make, become fishers of men. Just invite people to be my followers. And now he's elevating it and saying, don't just ask people to be followers. Serve them. Feed them. Help them. Train them to invite others to become followers as well. And then this is where he goes with Peter. Um, this is chapter 21, verse 18. If you're still there, um, look at this. Verse 18, it says, Truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk where you wanted. But when you are old, you, would stretch out your, you will stretch out your hands and another will lead you and carry you where you do not want to go. Verse 19, this he said to show by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. This is specific to Peter. Now, there's some generalities in that. There's some cases to be made that when we're younger, we set our own pace, we go in life, we do what we're going to do. And as we get older, sometimes we need help with that, right? There's some generalities with that. But with Peter, this is prophecy. Jesus is actually telling Peter that, yes, you are a follower of mine, and you're going to follow. I trust that you're going to follow me. You're not going to deny me anymore all the way to your death. And when Peter died, and we don't get this in scripture, this is other history writers that we learn about the death of Peter. Peter was also crucified on a cross, like Jesus. Peter was nailed to a cross as a martyr, but as he was being nailed to the cross, Peter's um, request was this. I don't feel worthy dying like Jesus. Please do it upside down. Peter was nailed to a cross and hung upside down on that cross. Led where maybe we don't even want to go, but I see this in Peter. Even though he followed Jesus to his death, he followed him as a free man. He had freedom in his heart because he had that reconciliation with Jesus. He was restored by Jesus, and he could live in that freedom, knowing, trusting, and believing in that forgiveness. And he didn't have to carry that regret and that shame any longer in his life, all the way to his death. So what about you? Where are you at? What is it, as I've talked this morning, that's been on your heart, that thing that maybe for you, you've struggled to get over? And do you feel like you can receive that same forgiveness that Peter did? Can you look in your past and know it's still part of your story, but yet move forward? What about your restoration? Let's look at that. So I think there's some steps to it. The first step is this. It's to repent. Has it crushed you? Are you truly sorry for it? Are you still making excuses for it? Repentance. Have you been humbled by it? Are you, are you sorry? It's a heart thing. Has it crushed your heart? So when you repent... Repentance is that step of saying, I'm regretful. I really am sorry about this, and I wish I could go back and do it again. I think the next step for us is confession. 
I think confession is a big part of the Christian faith. And as we walk with God, confession has to be a part of it. Now, it's not to me. I don't need you to come to me and confess all your sins. But I'd like to try it as, as a group today, if we could, just on the count of three, just yell out your, your deepest, darkest sins. You ready? <laughs> One, two. No, let's not do that. I have a microphone. That would be awkward for me, right? <laughs> this is between you and God. Are you carrying regret? Do you have that baggage that you're still dragging along because you're too proud? You haven't humbled yourself yet to bring it to God and release it to him? Now, if you have sinned against someone else, if this is a sin against someone in your family, if you have um, broken a relationship with somebody, if you have done something to them and you need to go to them and ask for um, their forgiveness, that's a whole different sermon. <laughs> that's a whole different action. That's a whole different topic. That's between you and someone else, and maybe that's what you need to do as well with this. But this is something that you're carrying with God. Either you can't overcome it on your own, um, that person is gone, you can't get there any longer. This is between you and God, and you're still carrying something that only he can give for you, that forgiveness. And I want you to do this. I want you to call it what it is. So somewhere in the chair in front of you, we're going to name it today, is a little piece of paper. We've used these before to write down names of people that we're praying about and we want to bring to church. I've asked you to carry this with you, you know, the name of the person you're praying for to come, but we're going to use it differently today. I would love for you to grab one of these and I want you to write it down. I want you to name it, that thing that's been on your heart. Now, there's some guides with this, all right? Let me give you some, some tips with this. Um, if, hopefully, you can reach one of these. There's plenty of them in a pen somewhere. Um, I know you're sitting close to people, and maybe you don't want them to see. So just write it in a way that only you know what it is, all right? That's okay. But I, you still should name it, whatever it is to you. Don't be so general. Um, maybe it's a code word that you're going to write down so no one else knows. Um, wives, don't write one for your husband and hand it to him and say, here's yours. I know what it is. Um, I, you write, this is between you and God. What is it that you're working through in your heart that you're still carrying? And you're like, I, I got to get rid of this. I got to release this somehow. How do you let go of this and move on? And next, we're going to let it go. Now, if you're new with us this morning, we don't typically do this. This isn't something we do every week. Um, so I want you to know that this might be uncomfortable for everybody this morning if you're new today. This is something different. Come back next week. You'll see what we do regularly. And I want you to know this. Whatever you write down is still part of your past. It doesn't change your story. You have still done this. You still make it part of your life. It's still who you are and made you who you are. But you don't have to carry it any longer. You don't have to carry the regret and the shame that goes along with it any longer. You can release that. You can let it go so you can move on. So I'm going to give you some instructions on what we're going to do and how we're going to do this. And I'll, I'll tell you, you don't have to. If you're not ready for this this morning, if you don't want to do this, if this is too quick and you're like, this is too awkward, you don't, you don't have to participate. That's okay. Um, no one's going to know. No one's going to be watching. We don't have cameras on you like, you know, who does this and who doesn't. I'm not going to watch what happens and, and dig through and try and find yours. This is not anything like that. But what I'm going to ask you to do here in just a little bit is I'm going to ask you, you can fold it. You can rip it. 
you can do whatever you want to this, and here soon I'm going to ask you to come forward and throw it away. We have some trash cans that are going to be up here, and I'm going to ask you to release it. Bring it to God and let go of it. And what's going to happen then, we're also going to take communion during this time period, and it's up here as well. So as the band makes their way up to the stage this morning, I want to give you some of these instructions as well. Um, it, as you make your way forward, just simple instructions for you guys. I, this section here, and maybe part of this section here, if you guys would make your way down this aisle, and there's going to be this trash can here, and then there's communion, um, a little piece of bread and a little cup of juice inside of these trays. And right next to the tray is a little container where you can put the empty cup. So you can take it right then and put your cup in there. You can take it back to your seat if you want to as well um, and take it then. So this section, do that. This section over here, if you would, over here against the wall, there's a trash can, there's um, a tr trays of communion, and there's a place to put your empty cup over here. If you'd make your way there and then around um, back to your seat. And then this direction as well. So this section and part of this section, make your way through here and do it here and make your way back to your seat. And this section, if you'd go over to this table and do this. And here's a bigger picture. Here's the idea with it. When we release what we have been holding on to, and then we do communion right afterwards, we're putting our faith and our trust in what Jesus has done for us. It is saying, and it's saying to Jesus in our actions that we are remembering that it is his death and his sacrifice that gives us this forgiveness. It's not us. We're just releasing it. We're just repenting. We're just confessing it and letting go of it. And it's the sacrifice that Jesus made that covers that that shame, that regret, that sin, whatever it is that you wrote down, the death of Jesus, his broken body, which is that little piece of bread, his shed blood, that little cup of juice that reminds us that we can't do anything. It's what he has done that releases that from our past. Even though it's still there, we don't have to walk forward with it any longer. So as I pray, I'm going to pray over this time. And when I'm done, I'm going to ask you to stand no one's going to be watching you. This will help to make your way. And if the line gets a little long here, you can wait until the line um, slows down. We're going to be singing. I'd encourage you to sing out and make your way forward with this. Let's pray together. Father, I'm grateful for your son. I'm grateful for what he has done for us, that we don't have to carry this any longer, that what we have written down on that, that what has made our hearts heavy over the years, we can give to you. As we bring this to your altar, as we bring this to you, and we let go of it, God, we trust that your son, in his death, his sacrifice for us, that we are now freed, that we're cleansed from that, and that we can walk out of here without that baggage and that luggage. God, bless this time. We honor you with it, and we remember your son and what he's done for us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. If you would, let's stand together and sing. And whenever you're ready, make your way. There's one more thing in your restoration. That's freedom. Freedom. Now you have to live in that. 
you, you can't carry that any longer. If you've given it over, now you have to live in that freedom. And Jesus has given, I think, all of us this. Go and serve. Feed my sheep. You know, serve somebody else that needs to know him. Do something for someone else to help build them up, um, to give them this, to teach them about this freedom. I, I think about it like this. If a prisoner has been in prison for many years and the guard comes and unlocks a door and opens the door and says, hey, you are free to go. And that prisoner says, yes, that's awesome. Stands up, walks to the door, shuts the door and goes and sets back down in his cell and says, man, it feels good to be free. They're not really free. They've locked themselves back in their cell. I don't want you to do that either. If you have received this forgiveness, then live that freedom. Don't lock yourself back into it by carrying this regret and this shame and this sorrow any longer. Go and serve. Go and do something for somebody um, feed the sheep of Jesus. Help somebody else. And your action shows that you trust that the freedom that Jesus has just given you is real. Your serving shows that you have faith in that sacrifice that he made for us. Carrying your guilt and your shame and your regret shows that you don't trust in that. So let it go and move on. Jesus said, follow me. I think that is a part of it. And I get it. What if we mess up? What if we don't follow him like he says we should? What if I mess up again? You're, go you're going to. I get it. Um, I'm going to. We're going to make more mistakes. But I believe this. Even when we are unfaithful, God is faithful. And he's going to continue to give us that forgiveness. Keep going back to him with it so that you can move forward. Let it go so that you can move forward. Now, there's a couple things with this. If this was maybe the first time you've ever done this and you want somebody just to talk to about it, I'd love to chat with you about this. If you want some help moving forward, that's what we're here for as a church. We want to help you walk with you in this. Find one of us on staff. Find one of the leaders at Crestview. Um, join a small group. This is part of it. But maybe your first step is baptism. Maybe you haven't taken that step yet. You've asked for this forgiveness and you want to follow Jesus, but baptism hasn't happened for you. We're ready. If you want to do that this morning, um, we can do that. If you want to schedule that and invite some friends, let's take that step together. And I want to encourage you to follow through with that in baptism. It's a big deal for following Jesus and us here at Crestview. The other is what we often do after we do communion here at Crestview. And that is a time of offering. I believe this is our faith in action. This is what we show. God, I trust you not only with my forgiveness, but I trust you with my stuff and what I have to offer. So if you're new with us, don't feel obligated to be a part of this. But if you call Crestview home and you're a believer in Christ, then this is part of it. So I'm going to ask you to get that ready. This is your time. Maybe you've done it online, um, and that's okay. Uh, maybe you do it at a different time. That's all right as well. But if you have brought something to give this morning, I want you to get that ready. Maybe it's your connection card. Um, get that out, put that in your hand, and get ready to turn in. We're going to do it a little different today. Instead of the guys passing the bags that we usually pass, on your way out, on the tables where we usually have the Bibles and um, the bulletins on your way in, there is a box, and the lid's open, and it says offerings, um, ties, offerings, and connection cards. I want this to be your act as you leave. 
your faith in action as you're leaving. And a reminder for you today as you leave that you're leaving with action. And what Jesus has asked us to do is to continue following him with action. And so as you leave with your action of your offering, put those in those boxes, know as well that you continue to live for him as you follow him. Let's pray together for those. Father, I'm grateful for your son, for his gift and what he gave to us. May we continue to show our trust in everything in our lives and what we do and how we follow and how you lead us. God, thank you for the opportunity to be able to show our faith, even in the simple act of giving an offering, but also as we feed your sheep, as we lead others to you, and as we help them grow as well. God, help us to release so that we can move forward with you. We're grateful. We love you. And it's your name we pray. Amen.